0: Hey man, this is a great Sunday. All of you online, uh, in house, welcome, welcome, and every way welcome. Hey, a um, couple of things that we need to Did you get that announcement that was on the video? We did have the matching fund up to $5,000 dollar for dollar up to $5,000, which would have given us 10. And then it jumped on top of that, someone came along and said, "Hey, I'll match dollar for dollar up to uh, up to 10,000." So that suddenly has increased our matching fund to where the church will be up 30 grand so that is really good news so over and above your tithe if you want to indicate that either online or on your check or however just say that you want it to go to the matching fund or matching challenge and then that will get applied to that which is just such good news and I don't know if you all know this, but our own Willie and Emily are officially engaged. Yeah. Such good news. Their wedding is to be in June, and we just share in this great, great celebration. That's great. What a wonderful family the Lord is bringing together. So much good. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate. We celebrate with what you're doing. We celebrate with the good news of this matching fund. We celebrate with Willie and Emily. All of it. You are truly the great God above all. And Father, I pray that during this time we would be listening to you. You would speak to me so I can hear you and through me so they can hear you. And that this would be a time of holy discourse. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you've got your Bibles either on your phone or in your lap, open to Exodus chapter 17. That's where we're going to be. Facing battles and being called at times to fight is just a part of our existence on earth. There will be no fighting in heaven, but there will be while we're here. And sometimes it's forced on us, and sometimes it's self induced. Uh, Susie's little brother cried to their mother, Susie kicked me and pulled my hair and spit on me. And the mother said, Susie, why did you listen to the devil in all this? And little Susie said, well, the devil told me to kick him and pull his hair, but spitting on him, that was all my idea. (laughs) Sometimes a battle is unavoidable. Other times, not so much. In the last part of Exodus 17, God's people are being attacked. And this attack comes on the heels of some pretty rough stuff. At the end of chapter 15, the Israelites were three days in the desert without finding water. That's rough. And they come to this place called Mara, M-A-R-A-H, M-A-R-A-H. They had plenty of water in Marah, but it was too bitter to drink. So God shows his people that he is in fact dependable and he has Moses throw a piece of wood into the water and the water instantly becomes sweet and drinkable. Time passed and the Israelites enjoyed this reprieve in the middle of the desert, an oasis, and the Bible said it had 70 palm trees. Gorgeous spot. More time passes, and God's people were wandering around now in the desert and not finding any food. In Exodus 16, God makes bread rain down from heaven in the morning and quail become available in the evening. Now, they didn't know this, but this was going to go on for years. Bread in the morning, meat at night. All provided by this dependable God. Without his provision, the desert would have made short order of this nation. Of millions. Food and water was literally brought to them on the daily, just outside the front flap of their tent. But matters turned worse, much worse, when we open to where you are in Exodus 17. A group of people called the Amalekites attacked them. Now, worse yet, Israel has been in slavery for over four centuries. So the last thing they are is a trained, strong, powerful army. And so the story gets even worse. The Amalekites were the descendants of Esau. You remember Esau is the twin brother of Jacob, who God named Israel, through whom the line of the Israelites come so, you have the Israelites being attacked by the Amalekites who were from the line of Esau. The Israelites and the Amalekites were cousins. Now, it's one thing to be attacked, but it's quite another thing to be attacked by family, right? Some of you have been attacked by family. That can be vicious. It's just, there's no strife like family strife. So Moses sees the attack coming, and he tells Joshua to gather some men to go down in this valley, and in the meantime, Moses was to go atop a hill. Look at the text. We're now in Exodus 17, starting with verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now, it's interesting that as this battle convened, Moses stood atop a hill with the staff or the rod of God in his hands. Now, you remember this is the same staff where at the burning bush he threw it down and it turned into a snake and God said, "Now pick that back up. The same staff that it would be used in, in, in Pharaoh's court in Egypt when it also became a snake. The same staff through which ten devastating plagues had come in the land of Egypt. The same staff... It was held over the waters of the Red Sea when they parted. The same staff that struck a rock that immediately gushed forth water. This staff was symbolic of nothing less than the power of Elohim, the great creator. Did you know that back in 1776 during the Revolutionary War, George Washington said and wrote that the only way to defeat the British would be if there was divine intervention. He explained that any independence that might be gained from England must and would only happen with an appeal to heaven. In fact, Washington requested that a white flag with an evergreen tree would be distributed with the words appeal to heaven. Washington knew the power behind a symbol that pointed to the power of God. Now this is why baptism and communion hold such a special place for the followers of Christ. Those symbols point to the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, literally the power of behind our salvation. And did you notice that Moses held this staff of God up and over his head? Interesting. Paul told Timothy, who was helping to establish these young church plants, in his first letter to Timothy, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. Emerson Fosdick would write, The best guarantee of a character that is not for sale is this battlefield of prayer where day by day the issue is settled that we shall live not as pleasing men, but God who proveth our hearts. If the Israelites would find defense... Against this attack from the Amalekites, it would not come at the bravery of Joshua and his soldiers. It would not come at the bravery of the commander. But only by the acknowledgement of where the power was really coming from. It's found where holy hands are lifted to God in prayer. In fact you might say that the victory in that open battlefield was found in the proverbial privacy of the prayer closet. Spurgeon, you know Spurgeon. Spurgeon's going to say something cool on this. In his commentary, he said, We don't read about Joshua growing tired in the fighting, but that Moses grew tired in the holding up the staff and praying. Our enemy is most concerned with the praying, not the fighting. Our sinful nature, we love the attention from the audience while we're on the battlefield so they can see how strong we really are. But in the closet is where we tell God how weak we really are. And don't you find it interesting that Moses did not go up on that hill by himself? We were designed for community. I'm just going to do my business between the Lord and me. I, I don't need me. We need each other. That's why we have all these small groups. That's why we have all these Bible studies. This one meets this week and waits two weeks and then meets again. This one meets the first and the second Wednesday and the fourth Wednesday. This one meets on this Wednesday night, and this one meets on the other Friday night. Is it a little confusing? Yeah, yeah. But your schedules are confusing for Pete's sake. So we're just trying to make it possible for you to find any kind of a port of entry where you can come in and, and find Harbor and find Fellowship. Life is too difficult to go alone. Burdens were meant to be shared. I'm telling you, once a week is good, but for me, it is not enough. I need more. I need more. All giftings are God-given and God-purposed. Sometimes we're called to fight. Sometimes we're called to pray. Sometimes we're called to be in support. God is always developing more and more of his giftings in all of us. Many giftings make light work. And when we all contribute, the work is more doable. But that doesn't mean it will be easy. Sometimes the battle will prolong. I wish I could say it's just going to last this long. The fighting, the praying, and the supporting can become wearisome. Really. And sometimes the enemy starts gaining advantages. Oh, that's just in your mind, Jim Bob, isn't it? No, I mean, sometimes the enemy gets the upper hand, sure enough. Sometimes there is this strong temptation to let go of hope and faith. And even that temptation seems sometimes to gain ground. But whatever happens, the promises of the Lord still stand. Great is your faithfulness. Your promise still stands. Look at these promises. This first one from Psalm 60. With God's help, we will fight like heroes, and He will trample down our every foe. Look at this promise from John. You see, every child of God overcomes the world, for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. And finally, from our great chapter in Romans 8. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all, for God has made us to be more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. Another interesting thing, after the Amalekites are defeated, God says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll. It's something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it. Well, you know he's down there doing the fighting, and they busted it all day long down to sunset. Finally, overcame it. Might be tempted to think it, yeah, we did it. No, man, you make sure Joshua hears this. Look at verse. Uh, that, that, that was verse 14. It's almost as though he's saying when the dust settles and the battle is won, God says, don't forget what happened here today. Well, I'm going to get to that verse in just a second. Take it back down because people are having a chance to jump ahead. You're not supposed to do that. What would it take for us to remember, remember our battles that he has won for us? God told Moses to write it down, make a permanent record to be read and reread and reread and reread to always be remembered. I don't know, I'm just going to let that sit with you. What would it take for you to remember it? It seems like prayer journal would be a pretty good idea here. Okay, now we come to the end of the chapter, verse 15 and 16. So Moses built an altar and called it Yahweh. Nisi, the Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war with the Amalekites, against the Amalekites from generation to generation. This is the one and only use of this name of God in all of Scripture. It's the only time it's there. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord. He is my banner. You know, in ancient warfare, they did not have the advantage of communication with radios and GPS and satellites and drones. No, no. Without a banner lifted up on a top of a tall pole, the conflict could easily be lost in confusion quickly. A raised banner would indicate identification of armies. It would indicate direction for the fighting. It would even show places of safety. When we needed to advance, when we needed to draw back. The raised banner was necessary for survival, let alone success. That day long ago in the desert of the Sinai Peninsula, Every person knew who was responsible for the Israelite victory. It was Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, he is my banner. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, he is my victory. Now, I want you to think back through some of the truths that we've just kind of glanced over in this ancient historical moment. Number one, attacks will come. It's it's because of sin Not necessarily because of yours and mine, although we've got a lot. So it's kind of hard not to say that we haven't had a hand in a lot of this stuff. Attacks will come. It's just part of the human condition. Number two, what's your staff? In other words, what's your go-to when you're attacked? Where do you look to tap into the power of God? I'll tell you one thing for me. It's these gatherings. I'm reminded. I'm reminded again and again. Number three, hands up worship. Have you visited your prayer closet lately? Is worship your go-to when you're attacked? Well, where are you going? Oh, man, I got to go worship. Well, I thought you were having a hard time. Yeah, I am. That's why i got to go worship. Number four, find assistance, or if you see somebody that's needing it, offer it. Are you still trying to go it alone? You do realize that our isolation was never a part of the design. It's a good word for our marriages. We were made for fellowship. We were made for connection. Number five, battles can prolong. I hate telling you that, but that's just part of the condition. I know it's going to be a drop in the bucket when we get on the other side of eternity, but until then, we have absolutely no frame to, to process this in right now because of where we are. And battles will feel long. So what are you more committed to, staying the course or <laughs> throwing in the towel? Number six, don't forget. Remember, Remember, remember. Do you remember God's interventions regularly or is your tendency to forget? What would it take for you to start remembering them more? And finally, number seven, build an altar. Well, do I, I thought that was Old Testament. Do we do that today? Yeah, we, we still build altars. This, I think this is part of building an altar. I think every gathering around a Bible study is a time of building an altar. How do you celebrate your faith in God? How do you declare his values in the way that you live? All of that is altar building stuff. It's more of a spiritual thing, but, you know, there wouldn't be anything wrong with doing a physical thing. We had a deal one time where we just gave everybody a rock, and the rock just symbolized that God has got us this far. We're going to trust in that. And a lot of people took those things, and they put them on the mantle in their fireplace. became a talking point. Is there something, some physical something that you can put somewhere around your house where people will go, what in the world is that? Well, it's just a reminder that he's got it, and he's got me this far. The Fancy Old Testament word for that is Ebenezer. I've made it this far because of Cam. That's what they would call it. Oh, well, what's that? Oh, it's my Ebenezer. Ebba, what? Well, it's something that helps me remember that I, he's got me here. Just like God leading the Israelites, his people, through the desert, through the wilderness, there's always a purpose in the desert. There's always a purpose in the wilderness. And those times of dryness when they were thirsty, it taught them about Yahweh the provider. And those times when they got hungry, the disappointment with no food, it taught them about, okay, Yahweh really is the only one who does satisfy. And those times when they were facing sure defeat, well, that just opened them up to the fact that Yahweh is the mighty conqueror. You see, whatever dryness or disappointment or defeat we face, God is simply reminding us that He is dependable. He can be counted on. Exactly what was said by Danielle right before we broke bread. Look again at these seven areas. Pop that slide back up there. Are there a couple of these that are maybe needing attention in your life right now? Let me give you half a minute, and you just do some business with the Lord. You just talk to him. Read through those things and talk to him about it, even right now. I love uh, daily devotional books. Um, I, I bet I've got two dozen. <laughs> you know, I, I love the ones specifically even that have the date on them. It just kind of okay, this is that way when I lose track, I go, oh, okay, this is October 29. This is what I need to read. I've got one right now that was given to me. I put in put in a nice leather bound copy. Put my name on the front of it. Given to me by a dear friend. It's called New Morning Mercies. Now, I don't want to, you know, overstate something. Oh, yeah, I do. It's my favorite. Of all that I've read, it's my favorite. A guy named Paul David Tripp, T-R-I-P-P. He wrote it. Let me just, I put it on the screen. Let me read you October 24th. God meets us where we are. He comes to us in our fear. He draws near to us when we are separated. He meets us in our doubt. He pursues us when we wander. When we sin, He comes to us with conviction and forgiveness. He empowers us when we are weak. He restores us when we are unfaithful. When we deny Him, He does not deny us. He comes to us at the moment of our salvation and comes to us again and again as we journey, he does not wait for us to come to him. He comes to us. It is the way of grace. And his name, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord. He, he is our banner. Father, I I, I know part of it is our culture, we have this feeling that we've got to go it alone. We've got to take care of ourselves. We don't want to burden anybody with our problems. I, I just pray in your grace that the Holy Spirit would move us through that kind of malarkey. And we would see how much we need you and each other. And that this pathway of grace would just open us up to the meaning of your name, Yahweh Nisi, your grace is scandalous. It's the most undeserving thing in the universe. But even though it's undeserved, we believe it's available and we want to receive it. Hear our hearts as we sing this song together. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, church, let's stand.